0: Agents Podcasts. This episode of the Lab code Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high-quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads—the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all-in-one lead management platform, free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. Red X is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz LCA. That's R-E-D-X slash LCA to sign up for Red X today. If you're a leader in the industry, a broker, a broker owner, if you want to grow a team... The best advice I can give you is you need to learn from somebody who has recruited over 1,200 agents in four years. And oh, by the way, he didn't start out as a broker owner or any of that stuff. He actually started out with a very modest salary and earned his way to partner of a very big brokerage based out of San Diego. He's become a very good friend I have to throw this out there his nickname is One Speed. I'll let him describe why that is. Uh, I've hung out with this guy on a personal level so I think I know why it's One Speed. But he is going to share with us today some of his secrets, some of his strategies, what he does that makes him so successful. And also, uh, we are going to share a platform that he and a, and, a, and a couple of his partners have built that is like a one-stop shop for real estate agents for brokers that will make your life in this industry so much more efficient and so much easier and so much better. And I'm excited to share it. Corey, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate you having me, brother. Absolutely, man. It's always good to uh, to bullshit with you because usually it's live, uh, which is uh, t- typically in a social setting, which is uh, fun. I usually feel like shit the next morning after I hang out with you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm good at that too. What can I tell you, man? Yeah. <laughs> one speed there there's a there's a whole one speed behind everything
0: so I love play. it I love it man so <laughs> so let's start with who the hell are you you're Corey Rose you're you're a big block realty based out of San Diego I already kind of teased you know who you are where you've come from but let's go deeper like let's what's your story man how did you get into real estate what led you to where you are today
1: Yeah thanks and again thanks a lot for having me on I really appreciate it um so yeah um I'm originally actually from upstate New York Syracuse so Actually, used to play soccer. I was the last five foot 10 white guy that played goalkeeper back in the day. So, I actually got some money to go to school. And then, uh, you know, kind of my senior year, people decided if they wanted to go and kind of party it out. And I actually did an internship in the mortgage industry. I actually don't even know if you knew that, actually. So, I went to uh, San Diego for spring break, my senior year of college. Coming from upstate New York, where those of you know it's, it's cold, we get like 125 inches of snow, it's minus 15 with wind chills. So I was ready to get out of there, and my uncle's like, "Oh, what do you what do you want to do with your life? Would you move out to San Diego?" I said, oh well, you know, yeah, I you know, I'd done an internship in a mortgage industry like kind of the, the summer going into my, my senior year, and I said I really like that feeling. He says, I said, "Know a guy?" So I actually sold everything I had, two bags and a cashier's check, and moved in with my aunt and uncle. That's actually where I met my business partners, uh, Sam Freeman and Oliver Graff, and uh, started slinging mortgages back in 03, which was kind of like the wild wild west, right? So it was a bit crazy and chaotic in those days. So that was kind of my start in real estate. And then, you know, as we all know, 07, 08 kind of hit, bottom fell out. And I did a bunch of different things from commercial cleaning to in the auto finance industry, merchant processing, you name it, which was actually really good for me because I learned how to be versatile, learned a lot about different verticals, different things, you know, how to handle different people. So That's kind of how I I got my start, and then kind of came full circle, and ended up uh, working with Sam and Oliver as I was uh, trying to figure out if I wanted to get back in into real estate, either with my NMLS or my real estate license, and that's that's kind of where it started. So,
0: when uh, when was that? When did uh, when did that shift happen? Where you were like, I'm tired of bouncing around to different careers, and you said I need to get I need to get back into the industry.
1: Yeah. So in 2014, the company that I worked for, I was in auto finance industry and really did not enjoy that kind of always working when everybody was off and stuff like that. So I I kind of ran a branch and they centralized and gave me a decent severance package. And I said, you know what, I really want to get back into real estate. So ironically enough, you know, I was always good friends with Sam and Oliver and they were kind of big block was kind of taken off and they said, Oh, why don't you come in and, and just kind of recruit for us. And, you know, as you kind of try to figure out what you want to do and, you know, after a short time, uh, ended up kind of working with them a little bit deeper and kind of ran the, recruiting department. And as you kind of mentioned, that's where I started recruiting for Big Block and, and did that for four years and, and worked my way up. So, yeah, it was great.
0: So take us, you know, I'm going to bounce back and forth from the past to the to the present. And so Big Block is an independent brokerage for those that don't know, right? You're an indie. Where? What is the size of Big Block today?
1: We were an indie. We actually have franchises now, but uh, that was very recent. That just happened over the last year and a half, two years. But our corporate uh, our corporate office has uh, over a thousand agents. We Closed a little over six thousand transactions last year, and we also have about ten franchises right now. So, uh, been in the Inc. five hundred, you know, a handful of times. So we were uh, we it's been a, it's been a great ride, and it's very exciting and excited to see what the future brings.
0: That's awesome. I, I would I would go deeper down the weeds of talking about the brokerage, but we're actually I'm going to be starting a new um this is just a just a side plug part of the podcast we're going to call it the uh, brokerage broker blitz and and I'm going to basically interview a leader at every at every brokerage that wants wants to basically just promote their brokerage. So we'll save that for another day. I don't know if it'll be you, Sam or Oliver, but so I won't go terribly deep on that. But let's now. Okay, so you're you've gotten to the point where you're at over a thousand agents doing over six thousand transactions. Obviously, you were a big part of the reason why that happened. When you joined them in fourteen, what did the size look like then?
1: Hit about two hundred and fifty to two hundred and seventy-five agents at that time.
0: Doing how many transactions?
1: Good question. I, I'd say probably right around. Oh, well, I don't know, maybe six hundred ish, six seven hundred ish.
0: And. So you use the word recruiting, which uh, I hate that word. I I personally, you know, I think of it, I think of used car salesmen when I think of recruiters. And I think I didn't always feel that way. I feel that way because, you know, the dawn of LinkedIn uh, and the dawn of email marketing and text messaging and slide dialing and all that kind of stuff has really, you know, kind of puts a nasty taste in people's mouths. And I think a lot of people in our industries probably feel the same way, but you've clearly mastered it. You're doing it at the highest level. What is your take on just that mindset that recruiting kind of has an icky feel to it? And do you look at it that way or how do you look at it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, for me, I always looked at recruiting real estate agents, very similar to agents changing jobs. I think that it's a highly stressful situation for them to move from one brokerage to the other they typically are moving because they're they're frustrated with with one aspect of of their brokerage or multiple so because they're coming in in a high stress you know kind of situation i always looked at it as it was it's a big move it was important you know it was important for them because of that for me it was always about the agent every single time you know a lot of the different people out there that i feel like are trying to recruit really want to just talk about their brokerage and the benefit and how it can be great for the agent and stuff like that the truth of the matter and at least the way that i did it was it was always question-based selling in regards to, I just wanted to find out what their challenges were. Tell me, tell them a little bit about, you know, themselves, you know, what was going on in their world, you know, how we could benefit them and how it would be something that would make their world easier. It was a much more passive laid back approach. And for me, it never really felt like selling because I wanted them to come to our brokerage if they felt like it was a good fit. And if it wasn't a good fit, I wish them the best of luck and stay in touch with them. So like for me, it was, it was much more relationship building. You know, it was much more laid back in terms of just asking the questions about, you know, what was best and beneficial for them, not necessarily just sitting there and talking for 45 minutes about how great your brokerage or my brokerage was, because I just think that that's a big turnoff. And it should be about the agent, not necessarily about the brokerage, right? We're there to help and support them as much or as little as they want. And it shouldn't be the other way around, just in my humble opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I want to, I want to kind of lay the groundwork here as we're, as we're at the beginning here, because I don't want everyone listening to think this is, that's what this is about. Because as you heard what Corey just said, like, this is, this is more than just recruiting, like everything that he just discussed, which we're going to go deeper on that is the same strategy that you all should have with consumers. So whether, whether you have no aspiration to grow a team. And you're never going to get into that. You, you want to grow your business. And it's the same conversation that we as an industry. And really, I think to a lot of industries, salespeople tend to have sales breath. And, and your first inclination is, let me tell you about me, 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 when really what you should be doing is asking all about them. And it's it's almost like relationship building one one, in my opinion. It's, it's all about asking questions, listening, asking follow-up questions, and actually, whether you care or don't, display that you do. I think that's such a, a critical component here. So I wanted to I wanted to say that because I think that everything that you're going to share today and, and the success that you've had is totally applicable to whether no matter where you are in this process. Would you would you agree with that?
1: 150%. It's all about relationship building, it's all about approach, it's all about treating people the way that you want to be treated. You know, uh, people come from all different types of backgrounds, different types of challenges and it, it's, it's shocking to me that you know like customer service it, much it's dying in this world, let alone this industry. I mean, you know, just, just the little things, right. Thank you. You know, opening the door, you know, standing up and you know shaking somebody's hand, looking them in the eye. I mean, all of those things still matter. And, and they really are important. I think that those are things that are lost. You know, I'm, I'm a big person, you know, I'm, yes, text messaging and emailing. is great. Right. But pick up the phone, you know, call somebody, talk to somebody, you, know, you can have a conversation and in 30 seconds that you could have in 20 minutes of a of text message, you know, so I, I just think that that personal factor and, and, and really being, you know, versatile in regards to who you're speaking to, right, because I think that that's also important, you know, if, if you're speaking to someone that's, a, it's an analytical, you take the time to break everything down, because it's important to them. If it's someone that's a driver, you know, I'll, I'll go through my, you know, my, my whole meeting much quicker. I think that those are, are important components in, in the world today and in, in any industry that you're in, specifically real estate, because you're dealing with people, you're dealing with high stress situations, no matter if you're, you know, trying to get agents over to your brokerage or you're selling houses. They say that the, you know, the two most stressful things you go through in life is a divorce and buying a house. And I think that you, you know, when you go into it, if you come in with that mindset, when your clients are getting frustrated or, you know, or concerned or stressed out. You can be that calm one and, and just there and listen and, and understand and, you know, go through some of the challenges with them and see how you can benefit them. I think it's huge. And I just think that that's something that seems so simple, but it just it not done the way that it used to be done, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to digress for a second, I think they should change that to uh, the two most stressful things in your life. It's not the divorce. It's the marriage that's stressful. that causes the divorce. (laughs) There you go. And and it's why so many people give up because it's too hard. And that's it's, you know. That's, that's, that's another conversation for another day on a different podcast, I think. (laughs) I Uh, agree. (laughs) Now I want to, I want to get to, I want to get back to what you were talking about, which was personality assessment, like disc profiles. And I know some brokerages are very huge on that. Like they, they won't hire an agent without doing a disc profile, but you mentioned it. Like that tells me that you obviously have experience because I've been through coaching. You've probably had some many coaches. And one of the things that's a constant with many good coaches is that, you as an analyzer of the person you're talking to again whether you're recruiting them or you're recruiting them for business it doesn't matter what it is understanding what personality they have should direct how you talk to them and i can't drive home how important that is and so how how would you how would you advise somebody so somebody listening to this that everybody's familiar with disc right and there's different different platforms have different names for it but it's the same thing it's the same description of each personality ultimately as you're a realtor or a leader and you are going down this path of, of hearing what we're saying and thinking to yourself, hmm, okay, next time I have a conversation with Susie Homeowner or Susie Agent, how do I assess, what is the best way to assess their personality with the questions that I am asking them?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's the questions that you ask. I think that you ask them as, as open-ended as possible. I think that you watch their body language. I think that you listen to their, their tonality, how quickly they speak, the follow-up answers or questions that they're they're giving you, right? So like I said, I kind of use the analytical, right? The analytical is going to always go deeper. They're gonna they're going to ask, okay, but why? Well, okay, but what about this? But what about this? What about this? They their personality type really wants to fully understand and comprehend the entire process. It's extremely important. Whereas the driver, which is someone that's like, hey, just get to the point, just get to the point, just give me the the, the, the content, the most important, you know, the like the, the steak and eggs and the meat of the conversation, get right there to it, you know. Then you have the the kind of the emotional, right? The you know the expressive, they're always talking with their hands. They're always you know they're always want to talk and they want to talk, you know, all the time and they're very out there and stuff like that. Versus the amiable and the, the amiable is just very soft and agreeable. Yes, they're always saying yes, they're always saying yes. So. Those are, let's say, tells and, and you kind of experience that with being in more in front of with more people, you know, doing a lot of different interviews and stuff like that. So you kind of learn some of those things. I'm also a, a huge person in terms of body language. You know, you're sitting forward. I want to sit forward. Right. They're sitting back. I want to sit back. Right. It's one of those things that just it eases the conversation. Your, your arms are crossed. Right. So obviously, you know, that means that you're kind of closed. Some of these little things that are nuances that I just think are extremely important that can make it easier for you um, when you're speaking to them. doesn't mean it changes your pitch or your presentation. It's exact same. It just depends on how you attack that pitch or presentation with the question-based selling, depending on how you kind of want to go at it. So it makes them feel more comfortable and that they're on the same level with
0: so when you're in person, mirroring them, I, and I know I, I know this answer, but I'm going to assume not everybody does. Like, why is mirroring so important when you are in person? And the next question is going to be, what happens when it's a, when it's a phone conversation? But I want you to answer that one first. Why is mirroring so important to to just us as humans?
1: Yeah, again, I, I think it's I think the biggest thing in, in sales, and I feel like selling is happening in every single conversation that you're having. Right, someone's always selling someone. Is just the comfortability. You're almost trying to get into the same state of mind that they are, right? If they're relaxed and they're sitting back, then you should feel relaxed and sitting back because they feel comfortable, right? I'm sitting forward, like we're we're into it, we're really into the conversation. Like th- those things I feel like just make you feel like you're on the same page or on the same level. And again, it's it's, it's extremely, extremely important. And then answer your question about the phone, you can do that on the phone. You can do that with tonality. You can do it with the way that that they're speaking to you, right? If it's an analytical, you're, you know, you're obviously going through those questions. You're taking your time, you're explaining it. Does that make sense? You know, would you like me to explain that further, right? Versus I would never do that with a driver. They're just going, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, cool. Any other questions? No, let's go. Okay, cool. So it's just, I think that you can do that both in person and on the phone. It just depends on tonality the you know, how they're speaking and, you know, how the conversation's going. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think what makes someone great at sales is someone that can basically be a chameleon. Like you, you all listening to this, you and I, Corey, like we are, like I'm a DI, high D, high I, very low, much lower on the S and C. But just because I'm not an S and C doesn't mean that I can't essentially react to the way that they are, because if my D, it comes out. Strongly to an S or a C, it's going to be a quick turnoff, and Absolutely. the conversation is probably going to end very quickly. And so, as you're understanding that, and and I'd like you to, to go. You, you mentioned it, like the D is the driver. Right? What does the I stand for? I,
1: I always know that there's there's driver. There's the driver, the analytical, the amiable, and the expressive. So
0: expressive is the I expressive like outgoing personality and bubbly and like they want to get personal and talk about what they did this weekend and talk about their vacation and it's not even you don't even get down to the brass tacks with them because they're not interested in that
1: correct absolutely and then you know and the amiable is just usually kind of a lover right you know very just kind and a yes person and you know everything They don't like is, to
0: make decisions for themselves they they look to you to help them make their decisions
1: 150% i would agree with that absolutely
0: and then and then analytical of course typically wants a spreadsheet
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And wants to know how the spreadsheet works. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
0: Let's use an example. So what are you, Uh, wh- which, which two do you lean towards?
1: I'm actually a high driver, obviously nickname one speed uh, makes sense. Right. So I'm always, always going. I'm also highly analytical, but what, what I actually was tested, I was actually kind of, although I'm high on the D side, um, I actually have a, a pretty even disbursement of the others, which is kind of odd, just in terms of kind of the versatility and stuff like that, that I've learned over the years. So I could be emotional or I'm from New York. So we talk with our hands, but I can also be, you know, amiable at times and, and kind of more soft in terms of that. So, yeah, but probably if you were, to, I would say driver analytical.
0: Um, I looked it up actually while we we're talking here and they, the these are different, probably different platforms have different names for them. But the first thing that Google told me was D is for dominance I is for influence S is for steadiness and C is for conscientiousness again i'm sure there's a little bit different d- different platforms i've actually read books about this where they and they have completely different names for all four of them but it's the same description right and i think i think i'm kind of hitting on this a little bit more today because well here we are at the beginning of the year and you know obviously we're heading into we're heading into a year and by the time this comes out, this will probably be late January, early February, but still very beginning of the year and arguably probably going to be a tough year. It's probably going to be a year that that is that is uh, defining for many of you because you're either going to sink or you're going to swim and you're going to figure it out. And a lot of what I hear, Corey, when when I go and and I sit in mastermind rooms, whether they're high level or just, you know, with, the, with a bunch of mediocre people the 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 common consensus is one of the things i'm hearing about years like this is get back to the basics 150%. Right? get back to the basics like stop trying to do something that may be outside that comfort zone and just get back to what you need to be focusing on because this is something that if you're not applying it it needs to be a foundational piece of your business and Absolutely. and so do you have any, any recommendations for people? Cause I think, I feel like you probably learned partially on the fly, but tell me otherwise, like, what is it that's helped you kind of mold you to where you are, to where you are having these conversations and able to be that chameleon to cater to each personality?
1: I, I think that a lot of it was the the different industries and different verticals that I went into. I think that, you know, we're just kind of learning, you know, how people are treated, how people are seen, how people are maybe look down upon in certain instances and, and just understanding that I think was, was huge for me. I'm just also a big believer that, you know, when things get tough to your point, get down to basics and, and, and be willing to do what the other person's not willing to do. So, you know, you can make excuses all day long, but if you're willing to do what the other person's not willing to do, you're going to win every single time. Just work harder, right? Like we can't control the market. We just can't, we couldn't yeah. control COVID. Those, those are the things that are out of our control. So you have basically two choices. You put your head in the sand, Say, oh, woe is me. Well, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Or you can say, you know, what? I'm going to work harder and I'm going to go down fighting. I'm going to do everything in my power to win. And at the end of the day, if I still lose, I could say that I did everything that I was supposed to do. And you know what? I just didn't win. But I just I just believe that if I work harder, I'll always win. I believe that if your customer support and working hard is second to none, and you will always win if you have those two, as well as being kind and caring and actually, you know, giving a shit for better language
0: terms. So, you know. Do, Do you find that this, these conversations, these narratives are changing with the different generations of people that are kind of, you know, I mean, you know, obviously that the younger generations they have a different style of the way they want to communicate. And we, we age ourselves when we say pick up the phone, um, because now it's not just about disc anymore. It's about knowing the demographic of the person that you're about ready to to communicate with, because picking up the phone with a 20. role is not probably the best answer because you might frankly annoy them and they say I don't want to deal with you because you're not meeting me on my terms. Sure. And so have you have you crossed this path as you are in your business cuz obviously I'm sure you're you're not going to discriminate against an age of an agent who wants to potentially no. be a target for big block. So do you find yourself catering that to the younger generations?
1: I do. Yeah, I mean, now what I'll do is I'll ask, "Hey, what's your preferred Communication, you know, would you prefer texts? Would you prefer email? Would you prefer a phone call? You know, so I ask that question. And yes, it's very true. With the younger generation, it's, it is super important, right, to understand how, what their communication style is, what their love language is, you know, what is important to them. And yeah, I do think that, hey, do you prefer text? Do you prefer a phone call? Do you prefer email? So I do ask those questions. And I ask those when I'm, you know, doing demos or anything that I'm doing right now or speaking to anybody. Hey, what's the best way for me to communicate with you? And you tell me what works best. So I, I yes, I have experienced that. And it definitely is different from kind of when you and I grew up.
0: I feel like I'm in between because personally, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I argue with uh, like one of my partners, Sean Curley, who's who comes from the mindset of pick up the phone. And I'm like, honestly, dude, you call me. I'm annoyed. Like I feel like I come. I'm. I'm I've shifted to be a Gen Z-er or Millennial when I'm really a Gen Xer. But I. But I have gotten. I guess I've just evolved, and I've yeah. evolved. Maybe it's a little bit of ADHD that's that's picked up under that. But I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to answer your phone call. I want you to text <laughs> me, and then I'll decide if I want to have a phone call with you. Sure. Um, and and I feel like I can resonate with those younger audiences because I tell them all the time, I'm like you almost have to change the like what you're telling people because i agree for that population but here i am telling you like I, no i don't want that like don't bother um i'd, I'd rather you send me a freaking video and then yeah. let me assess but the, you know, i guess that just kind of speaks to my you know uh, just yeah. my i guess evolution honestly but but i but i think kind of summarizing this piece of the conversation is you're going back to the basics of just really being a good listener. I I think it's such a lost art. And I I know I've mentioned this before, but to me, it's like, I found becoming that by accident. And what what I realized was my own personal assessment of when I was having conversations with people just in the office. And, you know, just as an example, somebody walks into your office and they say, Hey, Corey, like, how's your, your son doing? Because, you know, they, they know that he had a concussion or something. And Mm -hmm. before you can get 10 words out, they cut you off to say how they have a relatable story with their kid. And I'm thinking to myself, this has actually happened to me. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't ask you, you came in here, asked me a question and then cut me off. (laughs) Like, and then it's just, as I assess that over the last 20 years, I'm thinking to myself this is why we suck as a human race as it comes to communication because we over-talk people. And I think salespeople, because you get into sales and depending on what cloth you're cut from, if you go to like those old school, like a core platform where it's diehard, hardcore sales, you're kind of trained to over-talk people. But I think you, I personally, I'm not saying one's right or wrong, but man, the softer approach and just making people, and when somebody says to you, you're easy to talk to that's you winning like you've won right. them over and yeah. it's just a simple game of QA, right? I mean I agree. yeah
1: 180 percent. and I think a lot of people for the most part do want to talk about themselves and I think oh, that that that's
0: this, that's it
1: you know makes sense even for your clients like take that and use it ask them a question let them talk about themselves when you are listening again, you're getting down to that level to your point Jeff where it's like, yeah oh you're easy to talk to I and mean, you're a great listener. Huge. Like it's just, it's huge. And, and again, I, I think that that's, again, don't tell them about how great you are as a real estate agent or great you are as this. Talk to them, learn what they want, let them talk to you about what their needs are, and then talk to them and then just say, hey, well, this is how I can help. Does that make sense? Will this work for you? This is, you know, this is kind of how I traditionally, you know, work. This is how I do things. Tell me if this would, you know, would benefit you. I mean, a lot of, you know, you kind of see like a lot of open ended questions and, Always question-based selling and just try to understand more about them because it just makes it a lot easier. And to your point, yeah, like you come in and act like you care and, and honestly do care. Like, hey, Jeff, I heard your son did have a concussion. How is he doing? You doing all right? How are you doing? Oh, well, you know, as opposed to just going into your whole story that you can relate, like to your point, like if you, if you want that story, you're going to say, hey, you ever had experience this? And then you're asking that question back at me. And then, yeah, well, I did have a similar situation. So I may know a little bit what you're going through. Again, you're, you're kind of creating that connection between you and that person and building that rapport without even knowing what you're doing.
0: Yeah. And you know, the other thing that, that comes to mind too, and I know I'm very guilty of this, and this is another evolution of who we are as humans, but and it's just, especially with younger generations. And I guess, again, I consider myself in that, but my my oldest daughter was over yesterday and we were basically having a meeting because she does some content creation for us and her face is in her phone the entire time. And she tells me she's taking notes. Maybe she was, and maybe she was also responding to snaps and, you know, I, I don't know, but it's it's like a part of me wants to be like, well, you know, and I have to separate parent from business in that particular case, but that is something that we have to embrace, not in a way of accepting, but embrace in the way of like, this is a generational thing. And we as parents are basically to blame for it because we put iPads and phones in front of their faces at a young age because, well, frankly, it's easier for us as parents, but grabbing their attention off of that machine, that computer, that phone is very, very tricky. And it's like you as, we as salespeople, as as business people, have to learn to adapt to that too because and I know I'm guilty of it like you and right. I you know we go hang out yeah. I, I I consider myself a pretty good multitasker and I guarantee I've done it to you. like you and I've probably been talking while yeah. I'm posting yeah. while I'm doing something else and and I you know ten years ago that was insanely rude. today, I feel like it's becoming more accepted and you know what what is what is your reaction to that because I'm sure you're having conversations with young agents or just young people maybe coming into the business that you feel like they're disrespecting you but they're really not. this is just the way the culture is now,
1: yeah I mean that's that's a tricky one you know I mean I think with that is is you know are they you know taking notes and the chances are they're probably not maybe some of them are and I think you can tell if they're taking notes they're probably doing this and looking up at you and you know and stuff like that you know for me it's Typically, I would say that even with that, and if you're in an interview with a client or you're in you, know, in, you know, doing, you know, your presentation, they start to do that. Again, you know, I almost still look at that as, are they bored? Have I lost their attention? Am I not getting through to them? Asking different questions to try to change up the conversation, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're, even if you are going to your phone and whatnot, obviously there is a point there where you're like, okay, well, this, this on my phone is more important than what you're talking. And I think that that's really the best way to kind of combat that is just be like, oh, listen, you know, I, you know, I know you're probably super busy. I don't mean to take so much of your time, but, you know, is this making sense? You know, is, is, is there something you'd like to go deeper on? Or is there something that might be more beneficial to you? Or just trying to change gears? Or, I mean, there's lots of different ways to kind of do those pattern interrupts. But again, you want to try to get that attention back on you, because I, I just feel like even if they are jumping on the phones, because they're not as into that conversation as they probably should be or you want them to be, if
0: that makes sense. It's a good point, man. Pattern disrupt, I mean, and and or interrupt or whatever you want to call it. But I mean, that you're right. It's like it's almost like if you see that happening, and I feel like the old school side of us is going to be like, hey, 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 like, do you have an important phone call? It's so Remember when iWatches came out, and, yeah. and I got one of the first ones, and and I was I was an early embracer user of it, and the reason why. I hated them, or the, this reason is why I don't have one today. But I remember because you know I always get it's no we're we living a notification world now, right? That's what's always grabbing our attention, and your watch is always pinging every text, and I'm getting five thousand texts a day, so I'm pinging all the time. And I remember people like, "Do you, do you have somewhere to be?" And like, "Oh no, sorry, I'm just getting a notification." Now it's like become norm, like I don't, I'm numb yeah. to it. I'm so used to seeing people check their watches, they're not checking the time, they're checking their notification. But it, but it, yet to me, it's like. I'm an embracer, right? Right. I'm always trying to find things and figure out like, listen, I can hate it all I want. Just like my grandpa said, he's never going to use a computer. And now here we are walking around with him on watches. You don't have a choice. You you can hate it all you want, but generationally, this is, you're not in control. You have to figure out a way to, to live with it and work through it. And I love how you said that. Like, don't get irritated. Maybe look in the mirror while you're having a conversation with them as they're dicking around on their phone, whatever it is they're doing. Get their attention back by asking them a question that's going to make them think, right? Would you think that is, is that probably the best response, you think?
1: I think that that's one way to do it. I think the other thing is like, oh, hey, is that an email that's super important to you that you need to take? You know, I'm happy to give you a few minutes. Then all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, let me, let me go ahead and put that down. You're like, okay, hey, yeah, by the way, we only got about 10 more minutes. You know, I'll kind of pick it up for you and we'll, we'll get through this as quickly as possible. Then all of a sudden it's turned around, right? And they're like, "Oh shoot, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize I was doing that." Or, "Hey, you know what?" In their mind, I'm kind of, kind of flipping it on them, and they're like, "You know what? This isn't that important. I don't need to look at this text message right now." You know what? I'm being rude. I should, I should give you my full attention. So, I've done that too. Like, "Oh hey, if you need to take that, I'm happy to give you a couple of minutes if it's super important." And then it was don't even realize that they're doing it. Kind of your point, Jeff, is in it's kind of secondary nature. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, you know," or you know, as opposed to be like, "Am I boring you?" Like do, do you need do you have somewhere to be? you know, like you know, I mean, it's like you know I and mean, that's what, you know, and I think that you're right. like you would in the old days you could say that really? Come on, man, like we're really in the middle of the conversation. And you could do that probably with some of your friends and give them a hard time or you know family. but when you're with people, you know, pattern interrupts those different ways and, and kind of reverse psychology reverse psychology in terms of some of that stuff you can do that will it will just change the dynamic for a moment and make them think and, and get them locked back in. but also, you know, if you find that this is happening at certain points in your presentation, maybe there's something there in your presentation that, that you're losing that that's, that's yeah. not as beneficial to them. And I think that it's good to be able to kind of, you know, self-adjust and, and, and be aware of how you can get better as well.
0: I love that. And now I fully expect the old, um, the next time we're hanging out, you're getting, and I'm on my phone. I expect you to say to me, am I, am I boring you, Jeff? Am I, yeah, am no,
1: I'm, I'm uh, 150%. And I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to call you anymore. I'm only going to text you. We're the video. <laughs> so for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. See, I, I learned heard those things already in this 40 minutes. I was gonna <laughs> say, actually, you probably
0: have noticed that about me. And part of it's just busyness. I'm on, I'm on calls and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if, if you ever notice, I'm a quick replier to a text, not quick to answer the phone. That is that is a fact.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Let, so let's let's take this back to the whole recruiting aspect. And again, I want sure. I want the audience to think about this from from open your mind up because Corey's going to talk very specifically about growing a brokerage. But this I think a lot of what he's going to talk about is very applicable to growing your business. And so it, when when it comes to the fact that you basically had a, a lot to do with uh, what three, four X growth of this brokerage. And 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 you guys have, have obviously earned a bunch of accolades on this what would you say are probably one, two, or three of of the biggest strategies that you use to get in front of these agents, to create these conversations? I assume it's not like buying leads. What are you doing to to create so many conversations?
1: Yeah. One, I believe in creating a, a very fun, different culture. I think that the brokerages should really be specific on you know, the culture that they're building, whatever that culture is, it doesn't mean it's right or wrong, but I think the culture is super important. I also think that training, training is huge. Training can be both from a sales perspective. It can also be from a compliance perspective. They did that whole study and it's like, what's, what's most important to people? And money is actually like the fourth one on the list. It's like notoriety or being recognized, right? Training, support, and then money. So I think that those things, if you can focus on those, yeah, I used to always talk about the money last. Money was always the last thing. You know, I never used to talk about the money or, or the compensation plan or whatever it was until the end because it was almost obligatory at that point because people are buying you. They're buying your, your brokerage, your culture, and, and doing what you say that you're going to do. Don't, you're just going to talk about it. You're going to be about it. So for us, we, you know, we also have a really big referral program. So we did some kind of cool things where, you yeah if you recruit five agents, then you know, your monthly commissions were free. Um, if you get, you know, every time that you're referred an agent, you would put your name in the hat, and we give away a Mercedes Benz at the end of the year. So we give away a Benz every year, which is fun. I got to pull it once, so it's kind of cool. Um, so I had like one person that loved me, and you know, like 400 that hated me. So I, I think that, that the culture aspect, you know, the training aspects, the social aspect. I think that that's the other thing too is feeling like you're you're, you're part of something. You know, like feeling feeling that you that they they really do care. You know, that they actually like. And and the other thing is, is, is answering the phone or answering the text or answering the email, right? I, I, I can't tell you, like, for me, well, again, my nickname is kind of one speed, but, like, I'm huge on follow-up, huge on follow-up. My goal is to get you to say yes or to get you to say no. And I always go with pleasantly persistent, right? And I would just constantly, you know, stay in front of them and say, oh, hey, you know, I'm going we'll to call you Tuesday at 10. Is that cool? You know, and if they didn't answer, I just I would constantly stay in front of them. And I also think, you know, with not only the leads, but like just because you don't get a real estate agent or a client today doesn't mean that you can't get them in two, three, five, six months or a year. So like a lot of people are like, hey, I have to make the sale now or it's over. I never came from that school of thought. For me, it was like, look, if it's not a good fit for you right now, no problem. Shake their hand. I wish them the best of luck. I thank them for the opportunity. And the door is always open. Even agents that have left our brooch, you know, you kind of kill them with kindness on the way in and kill them with kindness on the way out because who knows where that person's going to be or where you're going to meet them down the road. And at the end of the day, they remember that. Like, I can't tell you how many times people are like, man, Corey, I, you know, I just really appreciated you. And I appreciated the fact that you're always there. You always answered your phone. And, you know, you're always there to support me. And, you know, I went over here and I said, listen, oh, that's, you know, no problem. How's it going over there? Well, you know, it's, it's not as great as I thought it was. All right, well, you know, if you need anything, you know, we're not going anywhere. Love we'll to have you back. And we would get like maybe shots, 40 50% of our agents that would leave because they thought the grass was greener on the other side and come back because of creating that culture, because of, because of creating that synergy and actually like caring, it's giving a fuck for a better or lack of terms. So, you know, I don't know if I'm going
0: to say that. You can say that. You can say that. Okay, I mean, okay. I, the, the thing, the thing I want to say about too is culture is a very cliche word, but also, and it is, but it's also incredible. It's way more powerful than I think a lot of leaders give it credit. And, and I've got uh, at at the time of this release, we've got a, a top producer that has come back to us. And the reason that he left uh, was just following the, the kind of the group that he was he was aligned with, and and they kind of just got into his head. And he has said hasn't been gone a year, and said the company that we went to is just fine; they execute properly, but I miss. What I had with you guys, and I miss the culture. I'll never have it here. And I've learned that the the product is basically the same everywhere. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna get the same support and same you know execution. Ultimately, it's up to me. But I'm not gonna have the same culture. And it's uh, we're gonna create a bunch of content, of course, on that uh, because it's sure. it reminded me like this is why we do it. And you know it's funny because my wife. Will say this. I hope she doesn't listen to this, but she'll say to me sometimes <laughs> like, you think like these relationships really matter, but people really don't give a shit. Like they'll stab you in the back. And, and I understand where she's coming from. Cause you're right. They, all they care about is themselves. It's true. But then this proves to me that may not work for everybody, but mm-hmm. believe in what you want to be and believe in. Right. Because and I'm sure you guys agree with this. Like I, I know your guys' culture and you're not for everyone. And right. I'm sure you guys know that, but I think too 100%. many brokers or leaders or brokerages, like we want agents. Like I want to be the real estate agent for the entire city of San Diego. Well, that's not realistic. Like, yes, you can go anywhere, but if you dial in and you niche down on something, you're actually going to probably have more success than if you try to be too broad-based. And, and I'm and i sure you guys probably feel the same way when it comes to- 150%.
1: Practice. I think that's a, that's a really important point that you made, folks. Be you. Like you're you're not going to be everything for everyone, and that's okay. There are other people, or there are other you know opportunities that, and, and maybe they're you know you're not you're not connected right now, but maybe you will be in six months. So again, you could be like Oh, off you're you know you're terrible you know like you know this that and the other I can't believe you didn't join my brokerage, or I can't believe you didn't sign the listing agreement with me. Where does that get you? You know I've seen brokerages that refuse to to release listings even though they're getting the referral agreement, the same exact money, but they just. Want to be a jerk to the agent that's leaving and going on the road? How in your right mind do you believe that that agent will ever come back to you? Yeah, because you were a jerk to them. Yeah. They're going to come back. I, I don't get it. And the same thing is is votes for all sales or, or dealing with any kind of potential people for you know selling or buying anything. Like you don't win there, right? Emotion is 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 not going to help you. Be frustrated afterwards, and that's fine. But you know, put a smile on your face and you know wish them the best of luck and. Yeah, of course you're disappointed. That means you care. It's a good thing. But you know what? They'll come back. If you keep doing what you're doing, or if they don't, so be it. There are other people that will, but be true to you or your company.
0: Yeah. I love that. We, I have a story too, about a guy who left and, and less than 48 hours later came back. And, and you know what he told me when he came back, he said, I was actually shocked when I left that you were so nice. And, and when I walked into the door of the new company, I quickly realized this was not the place for me. And so it made it very easy for me to put my tail between my legs and come back because you were so nice. And it's shocked It's like, Knocked me off my chair. I didn't expect that. I expected you to be a dick. You know, I expected you to be, have animosity. And I think it's a lost art. I think a lot of us listening think, oh yeah, sure. I would do the same thing, but it's hard not to have our feelings hurt when you pour into people and you give so much to them and then they leave and you're thinking to yourself, you know, WTF, like, come on, you just can't take it personal. And you have to, like you say, pull your pants up and, and realize that I'm just going to be nice here because I know there's probably a, like you said, 40% chance that they'll come back. And I, I I want to take that chance every time.
1: Absolutely.
0: I love it. And go back. to So you mentioned, and it's funny, by the way, the irony of the of how you rank the importance of things. And it was culture and it's training, it's social. And you're like, money's at the bottom of the list. And ironically, and if if I'm not mistaken, uh, Big Block is 100%. And we so are. for yeah. for a lot of brokerages that are 100% brokerages, like that's the, that's how they lead. So I wanted to point that out to people. Uh, because it's interesting that somebody who has a strong lead magnet of one you're gonna make hundred percent of your commissions, you don't use it. And and so, and so you you mentioned, I think four, I know it was culture training, social. What what were the was did I miss anything?
1: Notoriety, right? So right. being, you know, so it's kind of notoriety or being acknowledged. People, everyone wants to be acknowledged, right? You know, and, and it could be little things. And, and this is one thing that I would highly encourage for for your clients, for your agents, little things matter oh, they closed their first deal. Oh, it's not just about the top 10, or the top five, which everybody focuses on, right? It's a birthday. It's a, it, hey, it's a crib of the week. It's a congratulations on your first listing. All these little things matter. And, you know, for most agents, right, you know, it is it is a big thing when they achieve these goals, right? And, you know, and most of the country doesn't do 25, 30 plus deals. They do three or four. And so, like, if you can acknowledge those little things, like, I knew one CEO and they had like 1500 agents. The guy called every single agent on their birthday personally, every year, no matter what. And that was his, his one touch. And I was like, man, I love that. That's, that is great, you know, because it, it matters. And it's just, it's little things and showing, you know, we do like a agent spotlight and it's really, you know, it's just, it's just throwing it out there just to kind of give them some love. And you'd be shocked at how many times that's reshared and stuff like that. So like, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, you know, I actually know that that's really important. And yes, we are a hundred percent shop, but that's kind of just the icing on the cake for us. It's like, it's like Hey, Oh, and I get hundred percent. Yeah. Cause you know, if you come for the money, you're going to leave for the money. It's not yeah. about the money. People mm-hmm. are there for, for the, you know, for the other things that are important to them. And think about it like this, you know, you spend more time at your job than you do at home. So you want to go somewhere that, that, that makes sense for you. That's either a fun environment or, intense environment or whatever that is, but you, you're going to spend more time there than you were at home. So find that solution that makes sense for you. And the money just seems like it's, it's always secondary you know, in terms yeah. of that, in terms of the commissions. And it's like, hey, well, this one's at 15% and this one's at 3,000 total for the year. But you know what? I feel like I'm in a better place. So I'm going to sell more homes at the 15% model. Great. Do it. And, yeah. and, and you'll see that you'll just be happier for it. Even if you were giving up some money. That's coming from a guy that's like, hey, no, don't do that. Come over here. It's worth So it's yeah. you know, uh, but it's true in my opinion.
0: So I agree, which is which is a great segue because it's to me it it's it is you're right. It's it's more about value. It's about value. And and obviously the culture, uh the culture leads kind of into the notoriety and the acknowledgement, right? But then there's that training aspect of it. And and I, because I, being kind of outside of the business like I am, I do get a lot of agents do, you know, doing what I do, being kind of prominent in the real estate world that will come to me because I'm not a threat, right? And so they'll yeah. say, thinking about switching you know, everybody, where should I go? What should I consider? And I always tell them the same thing. It's never, I, it's like, it's definitely not about the money. It's about who's going to give you the best support to grow your business. Because oftentimes less can be more, uh, less is more. it, it was for yeah. me. And yeah. so I, I'm a big believer in it. And and that's a, a great segue to something that you guys have built, which is called Sweet Assist. And it's, and you know, you describe it as a, maybe this this is the description. It's an all-in-one solution to create a backend end I guess, solution to handle all of your broker needs. That's broad. What is it and what does it do? And is it agnostic? Because I think I know the answer. It's not specific to big block. There are yeah. brokerages that yeah. have bought into Sweet Assist. So, and, and it's also not just for brokerages, right? I mean, individual agents, can they get into it as well?
1: Yeah, so it's primarily, so the Sweet Assist side um, is primarily for brokerages. So usually the agents under the broker. You know, as as you kind of mentioned, Jeff. Yes, we had some needs and some challenges, and we were using multitude of different softwares that didn't speak to one another. It was inefficient. It was very expensive. We were starting to hear this from you know four or five large independents that we were super close with. So we ended up building Sweet Assist. You know, and Sweet Assist is the whole goal of Sweet Assist is to be an all-in-one solution to run the entire back end of your you know uh, real estate brokerage as efficiently as possible. Right at the end of the day, it's really to get you to what we kind of talked about throughout this whole conversation which is selling more homes and building rapport with your clients right if you have back-end solutions that can give you the ability to customize commission you can pay your agents directly out of the system you know you have literally click button reporting to pull whatever you guys want but workflows that are completely customizable to you like however you want to use it automated onboarding you're onboarding an agent it takes 40 minutes all these little things that used to drive you nuts Where you literally can go, hey, I can plug and play. I can set it and forget it, and not worry about it, so that you can get to what's really the most important thing, which is the human interaction and selling more houses. That's why we built it, and that's why we're constantly. I'm as you guys probably, I'm a big relationship person, right? It's not necessarily about always about the money. The money will come, but the the money will come with trust and creating those relationships. And and I've told people, I'm like, hey, I don't think that this is for you. I've said that on calls, and I know it's counterintuitive, but I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time, you know, and I want to make sure that if they're going to, you know, come into the system, it's going to be a good fit. So for us, you know, kind of built it for some, some kind of selfish needs beginning, you know, in the beginning, but um, it's evolved. And there's quite a few different modules and aspects of the platform that came from brokerages and feedback from brokerages and agents, you know, that are probably listening to this podcast. So it's, yeah, it's really truly meant just to make your world a heck of a lot easier to try to get rid of a lot of the minutia that some of these other technology platforms, you know, kind of, and hold you to in terms of long-term contracts and stuff like that, and, and, and say, hey, look, we really treat this more like a brokerage than we do in a technology. Plan.
0: I love it. Can you go uh, any deeper on, you know, so if somebody says, okay, all in one solution, what does that mean? Is it a CRM? Is it a is it a back-end? Is it is it kind of like a transaction, a TC type platform? Like what is it? What does it do?
1: Yeah. Um, so great question. Yeah. So that's core. it's core, it is a transaction management system. So you can, it will go ahead, you can create your own workflows. Um, there's a there's a digital signing aspect to it where it will auto populate your fields. You can send those out for digital signature. Once executed, they automatically come into the system. You can pay your agents out via ACH within 24 hours. So literally, money comes in, goes directly to the agent's bank account. Uh, integrates with QuickBooks, so you can have you know handle all your accounting needs and things of that nature. There's its own marketplace, so you have your own storefront. You have your own customizable training room with a learning management system behind it. There is you know essentially sphere of influence you know, marketing there through video email. And you also do have some CRM capabilities to kind of manage your leads. Also kind of like an intranet where you have your own private Facebook group, as well as uh, the automated onboarding aspect where literally you just plug and play, you put everything in and they can literally register in about seven to 10 minutes and they're all good to go. So there's a bunch of different things that you can use and customize the whole thing to your liking, right? So everything's included. It's all month to month. Utilize what you want and you don't have to utilize what you don't want to. And It's all available to you regardless of where you start, where you finish.
0: Can it be wide-labeled? Absolutely. So basically, if I'm a brokerage, and especially if I'm in the independent world, um, obviously, the big boxes t- typically have their own, but if I'm, which I think this world is, is starting to become much more uh, leaning towards the independent route, or uh, you know the the models that have the downline component, which are really just individual brokerages, if you will, within one mm-hmm. bigger box, this is a solution for... All of them, like this is this is that value that you probably got to spend thousands of dollars on each different component, and now it can just all kind of wrap into one, and then you just decide what you want to use from it. Like that, that is an attraction piece to me. Is it? Is it not? I mean,
1: absolutely. Time and efficiency, right? Making your world a heck of a lot easier. Having it all in one spot. You know, you put quick links on there. So if there's even other sites that uh, your agents are going to. We know how difficult it is for agents to log into one site, let alone multiple, having everything centralized to one place. All of those different features that literally just makes your world. I mean, imagine if you could just go and you're an agent and you go, hey, I want to know how much money I made. What's my cap? Click a button. Readily available for you in your dashboard. It's things like that, you know, leaderboards, stuff like that. So you can rank the agents based off of production, gross sales group, gross units. It literally has everything that you need. And the whole goal was just to simplify it with assigning your own personal customer service person to you that literally will answer any questions that you have within an hour or two. And it'll be month to month, no long-term contracts, stand behind the whole thing. So we just really tried to do it from a a customer service perspective to make your business way more efficient and easier, you know, so that you can focus on what's best.
0: I mean, I don't, is is are are there anything, is there anything comparable to it in the marketplace?
1: There's other platforms that are out there that I think that have pieces of it, but I think that we're, we pretty unique. I mean, this was built specifically for independent brokerages. I mean, there are doesn't mean that it can't be used by franchises or some of the downline models that you're mentioning, but the goal was for independent brokerages because we didn't really feel that there was a platform out there that did or kind of encompassed all of the different things that we were encountering and hearing from you know different relationships that we had with with people like yourself, Jeff, right? You know, so yeah, I mean, it's it was really built, you know for brokerages by brokerages and it's constantly evolving. So, like I said, a lot of the modules we built came from feedback from brokers and agents just like you guys It's it's not I'm one of those big believers that if you you know if you're not willing to listen and you're not willing to adapt, you're going to become obsolete pretty quickly. So you know the market's ever changing. Why should the software and things in your back end solutions that you usually obviously change with you? That makes sense.
0: I love that. So if somebody wants to learn more. Like, what's the best way to uh, to get in touch with you to to dig deeper on either this and or if somebody wants to to kind of pick your brain, learn more from you as far as uh, because you the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, your success is obviously a great indicator of of what you're great at.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I mean, um, if you want to learn more about Sweet Assist, go to just to, to sweetassist.com and you can you can schedule a demo there. Um, you know, if you're interested in in you know, speaking with me or picking my brain. You know, you can email or email me at uh, Corey at BigBlockRealty.com or Corey at SweetAssist.com. That's just C-O-R-Y. Happy to talk. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity, Jeff.
0: Always, man. It's always fun to reconnect. And, uh, you know, I, you, you and I talked to, even this morning and said, I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure where this conversation is going to go. And, and uh, in hindsight, neither one of us mentioned personality assessments. And that's what we ended up talking about. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool how these uh, how these conversations happen dude I, I I love I love staying uh, I love staying in touch and um, I love to watch your growth and I'm excited to watch you guys continue to evolve platforms like sweet assist the industry needs it and uh, you guys are you guys are the driver's man so thank you for being on brother
2: today's podcast is brought to you by power ISA the industry experts in real estate ISAs get more appointments. Make sure your follow up gets done on time and you get the most out of your leads. Get a great ISA for real estate on your team and watch the results roll in. Power ISA has served over 1,200 agents in the U.S. and Canada since 2015 and it's the one-stop shop for everything you need to get a great inside sales agent on your team. Whether it's setting appointments with your internet leads or making outbound prospecting calls to help you get more listings, Power ISA can get it done for you. Visit PowerISA.com forward slash LCA to get started. That's powerisa.com forward slash LCA
1: Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.